Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to First Move. I'm Eleni Jokas. I'm in for Julia Chatterty. I'm coming to you live from Abu Dhabi. When we start with Greece, that is ongoing. The largest evacuation in the country's recent history as wildfires chase residents and tourists alike. That is according to officials who say fires are now burning on the islands of Corfu and Evia. This is in addition to the blaze in the southern parts of Rhodes, which has been burning since Tuesday. Sam Kiley has the details in this report for us. It's a regular visitor wildfire and no one knows where or when it will strike. This is tourism in the 21st century. The latest maelstrom in southern Europe, Rhodes, an island of ancient ruins facing a modern apocalypse. Intense heat waves have turned forests into desiccated tinder, yearning for a spark to roar into flame. And anything that fails to flee the inferno has little chance of survival. Greek authorities have evacuated tens of thousands from popular resorts at peak season, and the government says it's the largest such operation in the country's history. All their money, passports, clothing. We had to lend a woman some of my wife's clothes because she had nothing to wear. It was terrible. British tour operators are flying empty planes here to bring desperate tourists home. Powerful winds have made life just about bearable for people on these islands living through this heatwave, but those self-same winds are fanning the flames of these infernos. And the problem is spreading. The latest overnight the island of Corfu, where thousands have now been evacuated and police are bolstering their ranks in anticipation of more to come. The Greek government has been battling wildfires across the country for a week, during what's expected to be the longest heatwave this country has ever seen. As temperature records are shattered across Europe and the world, every day our planet has become slightly more unlivable. We are experiencing, here and in many countries, extreme climatic events. Please, I renew my appeal to the leaders of the nations to do something more concrete to limit polluting emissions. It is an urgent challenge and cannot be put off. It concerns everyone. Let us protect our common home. As heat waves and fires are escalating yearly in southern Europe, the threat is now even, perhaps, to the pontiff's own home. Sam Kiley, CNN in Leros. Well, Elinda Labropoulou joins us now from Greece. Elinda, good to see you again. In fact, the last time I saw you 
We were in Avia together. We were covering the wildfires there. The big fear was that this would be uh, happening again. Um, we saw the impact on the people on that island. Now we've got Avia, Garfu, Rhodes dealing with wildfires. We've seen the images of how it's impacted tourists. We must not forget how it impacts people, the locals as well, Elinda. So what has the response been and what has been the reaction? Well, the response, I mean, the, the very first response is that this is the peak season. You know, this is tourism peak season. So roads was packed at the time that uh, the fires hit. And the news that people are starting to evacuate the island, that, um, you know, uh, villages are burning down, uh, has hit locals uh, very hard, simply because this is their chance to make a living. Rhodes is one of the most popular tourist destinations in the country and they know that the aftermath is going to be very tough for them. Having said that, of course, the first priority is always saving lives and this is something that the authorities have been very good with. They have been able to evacuate uh, thousands of people from the island, mostly uh, by uh, airplanes. Uh, some have been evacuated by sea and a number of airline companies are now sending an empty plane simply to repatriate tourists or send them to other destinations. Uh, uh, everyone knows that Greece does suffer from wildfires every summer but of course the scale of this does seem um, extremely higher than anything anyone had ever expected simply because of the timing and the location that it hit. Uh, there's another fire in another tourist island, Corfu, a very popular island there as well but we have news that that fire is now subsiding so the picture there is already looking better. In Rhodes however conditions are very harsh, there are strong winds blowing and we understand that more villages are now being enveloped by the flames or the fires are approaching more homes. So it's, it, it looks like it's going to be another a big fight, another a fight with the flames ahead. The Greek Prime Minister has always, also already said that Greece is now at war with the fires. This is how he has described the situation and has pledged to try and help uh, the people that will be mostly affected, including uh, the locals, of course, uh, as well. So at the moment, first, it's let's see what happens next. We know that Greece is facing several days of very high temperatures ahead. We know that this heat wave is likely to continue for the next few days ahead at least. And, and then, you know, deal with the aftermath, really, Eleni. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, and the sad reality here is that we're hearing more and more wildfires breaking out. Um, and, you know, we've been on these stories before that these fires can get out of control, compounded by the, the heat. And, of course, um, they, they carry on burning slowly. So tell me about the international reaction and assistance as well to intervene as we still face another at least month and a half of warm temperatures across Greece. You're absolutely right. Although the, you know, the conditions are now very bad, it doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to get all that much better in the next month and a half ahead. So Greece has requested international assistance. Assistance has uh, come in, a number of planes and other aid from other countries. Firefighters have come in from other parts of uh, Europe as well. So that response has been very strong. And Greece has also, knowing that these fires are a new reality really in uh, as a result of climate change and the world that we live in has already uh, upped its game basically in terms of fire protection this year so it's better prepared than it has been in the past but having said that you know when you're dealing with such heat such immense uh, temperatures and so many fires breaking out in different parts of the country at the same time you have to understand that just in the last 24 hours you know everyone's uh, everyone's an hour or so you know I'm just looking at my phone going 
new fire there, new fire there. So uh, dealing with all this is, is extremely difficult. So the, the country is like a tinderbox at the moment with the temperatures that it's facing. Absolutely scary. We've seen those images of the, the way it, tourists are impacted trying to get back home, um, the aftermath and the reality for the locals. Elinda Labropoulou, thank you so much for joining us. Great to have you on the show. Well, political uncertainty in Spain, no single party winning enough votes to form a government in Sunday's elections. The Prime Minister's centre-left party is set to win 122 seats, while the main opposition party is on the course to secure 136 seats. But far from the 176 needed to govern alone, this means weeks of painful political negotiations will now begin to try and form coalitions. Joining us now, Jose Ignacio Torreblanca. He's a senior policy fellow and head of the Madrid Office of the European Council on Foreign Relations. So great to have you with us. Let's start with what we're seeing. Partido Party, right-wing opposition, not securing enough seats for a majority. Um, look, the margins are really interesting here. What is the appetite for a coalition with a far-right Vox party to give them perhaps enough to govern or at least closer to the number that's needed? Well, the appetite from the Conservatives to uh, be in government with, um, with Vox is not very high. But when the numbers uh, have been necessary and have yielded a majority in different regions, they have finally entered into agreement with Vox, with this far-right party. The problem after the general election on, held on yesterday on Sunday was that even if the Conservatives agreed with Vox that they should form a coalition government, the numbers wouldn't add up to make sure that Conservative leader Fejo would gain office because he will face a, a negative coalition of all the chamber practically against him. So he wouldn't be able to secure uh, government. So what we have now is that for sure, Fejo wouldn't be able to, uh, to master the numbers. And then at the other end, we may have actual president, current president, uh, Pedro Sanchez, being able to put together a coalition of almost everyone, but PP and Vox to try and support him for a second mandate. Yeah. Interesting. Look, let's look at PM Pedro Sanchez, centre-left Socialist Party, falling behind at 122 seats. I mentioned the margins here. They're quite close. Um, again, we're talking a coalition here to stay in power, secure majority seats. There have been in a coalition uh, before. Uh, what is the thinking here? I mean, clearly you've got um, the, the other party, Partido Party, gaining momentum. Can they catch up? Is that the thinking? Well, the problem with the socialists is that the numbers don't add up if they just join with their former coalition partners of Sumar, another left-wing party. Well, the problem is that they have to reach out to uh, what have been otherwise very toxic uh, partners in the four years before, which are the process section parties in Catalonia. And um, that it's complicated because the price that these parties would, uh, would exact would be maybe prohibitive and therefore would make these negotiations collapse. If these parties ask for a referendum on independence or as if, uh, you know, the uh, leader, uh, Puigdemont, who is now in Brussels, the one who declared independence in 2017, if he uh, has to vote in uh, this government, he says he wants an amnesty and also a referendum. So the numbers may not add up 
for Sanchez to be able to re-stage uh, the collision he had in 2019 because he would have to add other partners which are very complicated, very controversial and would, have, would ask for concessions he may not be able to. So therefore we may end up in a blockade uh, forcing yeah. Spaniards to go to the polls again if that was the case. Yeah, interesting. Okay, look, if the right wing uh, do win, it'll be the first time they say in 50 years that we've seen a government of this kind. You tweeted something interesting. You said conservatives didn't go up as much as they thought and socialists didn't go down as much as they thought. So does this show the division in the country and division of the direction of ideologies perhaps that are starting to emerge? Well, the paradox here is that um, in this election, we saw extremist parties going down. That is, both Vox, the far-right party, went substantially down. They lost 19 seats. Also, pro-secession parties in Catalonia, they went down, and the Socialist Party was the winner in Catalonia. So we are in a very paradoxical situation in which the Socialists and the Conservatives, which are the large mainstream forces, they still have 76% of the vote, but yet they're weak because they won't be able to enter an agreement among themselves, and they have to rely in extremes, which are very small in numbers, but very radical in policies. And this is kind of the drama that society is not as utterly polarized as we see in other countries. We see in polls that there is a, a, a demand for people, for politicians to get into agreement on basic stuff. So this is not a country that is broken in two, but there are only probably like two coalitions possible to form government and all of them have to rely on extreme because this inability of mainstream forces to, to work together. All right, so great to have you with us. Thank you so very much, Jose Ignacio uh, Torreblanca, Senior Policy Fellow at the European Council on Foreign Relations. Much appreciated. Bye. Well, coming up on First Move, widespread protests in Israel, a live report from Jerusalem after the Israeli parliament voted to limit the power of the Supreme Court. That is up next. This podcast is supported by Sleep Number. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores? Sleep Number does that. Only Sleep Number Smart Beds let you each choose your ideal comfort and support. Your Sleep Number setting. Sleep Number Smart Beds learn how you sleep and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. All Sleep Number smart beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. Temperature-balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent. This week on Chasing Life... I'm a health reporter and have been for 15 years. And even I feel overwhelmed by some of the things I read about the stuff we're eating. My colleague Meg Terrell wanted to take a deep dive into something you've probably heard a lot about recently. Ultra-processed foods. There is a lot to learn there, some fascinating stuff, and some of it is probably going to change the way you shop. Listen to Chasing Life wherever you get your podcasts.
Welcome back. You're watching First Move. U.S. stocks are up and running as investors kick off the last full trading week of July. The major averages are in uh, much higher territory uh, in early trading. The Dow on track for an 11th straight winning session. It's the longest winning streak since 2017. A busy week ahead on Wall Street. The U.S. Federal Reserve is expected to raise interest rates for an 11th time this hiking cycle on Wednesday. As you can see, the Dow is up three-tenths of a percent. NASDAQ also much higher, half a percent to the good. Um, Look, it's tech firms, Microsoft, Alphabet and Meta all reporting their second quarter results. So we'll keep a very close watch on those. And we get the first reading of how the U.S. economy did in the second quarter. Those are going to be vital numbers in understanding the health of the U.S. consumer. Meanwhile, angry protests in Israel as lawmakers approve the first of controversial government proposals designed to weaken the power of the Supreme Court. Hadass Gold is live for us on the streets of Jerusalem uh, with the latest. Hadass, great to have you with us. We can see some of these images, protesters and uh, officials clashing essentially I want to understand, tell us this first vote that went through. It was 60 to 0, and the opposition walked out while the voting was taking place. Take us through what happened. Yeah, Eleni, the opposition walked out off the floor of the parliament in protest during the third and final vote for this legislation. We're actually standing just outside of the Supreme Court, of course, the institution who this legislation will immediately target. And organizers here have been setting up big screens where protesters could watch the proceedings of parliament. And now they are essentially having what seems like a a, a therapy session of sorts, where organizers are, are encouraging protesters who are clearly very angry, telling them that they will that they will not get off the streets, that they are continuing to fight, even using words like, now the war has started. They say that they are not going anywhere and that they plan to continue protesting. Now, what this legislation did is it took away the Supreme Court's ability to declare government actions, things like appointments of ministers, as unreasonable. Because in the past, the Supreme Court could say, hey, you can't appoint that minister to be, say, minister uh, justice or something, because they have been convicted of fraud in the past. Now, with, if this legislation stands, the Supreme Court will not be able to do that. And for these protesters, they believe it's the beginning of the end of Israeli democracy because this legislation was just one part of the massive judicial overhaul package that this government is trying to push through. There's a few questions right now of what happens next. We're watching the stock market. It is falling in Israel. There are questions about whether the largest labor union will now go on strike. We now do have our first petition filed in front of the Supreme Court to try and get an injunction for this legislation. a temporary injunction to stop this legislation from being enacted. That could turn into a very intense legal battle, which ironically, of course, will be heard in front of the Supreme Court when this legislation is all about stripping part of the power of the Supreme Court's power away. Another question is those thousands of Israeli military reservists who have said they will not serve if this legislation passes. Now, the legislation has passed. If they get the call to serve tomorrow, if some sort of conflict breaks out, will they heed that call to serve? Right now, they are saying... They will not do so. So a lot of things moving and changing. I think our eyes should really be peeled on what happens on the streets of Jerusalem. Because I think these protesters, they are angry. I can see it in their eyes all around me. They are riled up. And I don't think they have any to any intention, any plans to leave the streets anytime soon. Hadass Gold, great to have you on the story for us. Thank you so much. We'll check in with you later. Well, coming up, call it the Elon Musk X-Files. 
an extra dose of social media drama as Twitter's billionaire owner makes another extraordinary move. That story right after the break. Stay with CNN. Is it a master rebranding move from the world's richest person or a bird brain scheme that will damage a storied social media brand? Elon Musk carrying out his promised to replace Twitter's iconic Bluebird with an X this Monday. It's all part of Musk's grand plan to transform Twitter. Christine Romans is in New York for us. <laughs> she comes bearing gifts of answers for us. What is in a name? I don't mean to get nostalgic here, but we started with Twitter. We've grown to love what it stands for. And now we're replaced with, I think, a very strong letter, an X. Do we want and, it? And, and think of this. I mean, a tweet... A decade ago, it became its own verb and a noun, right? I mean, and, and, and this is such an yeah. important part of the, of the Twitter image. So will you have the platform called X and will it still be called a tweet? That's one question a lot of people uh, are asking. And why the radical rebrand away from the bluebird that has become iconic to the X? Well, you know, the big grand plan for Elon Musk is to make this an app for everything, right? Um, so maybe this is a step in that direction. But we heard from him this weekend, surprising a lot of people, uh, by putting up that X, changing his own profile and the logo. Logo changed early this morning, and he said, and soon we shall bid adieu to the Twitter brand and gradually all the birds. So it would suggest potentially that you're, he's looking at something bigger to do with this platform. But it also could be somewhat of a Hail Mary, because this is a platform that since he took it private for what many people say was vastly overpaid $44 billion, you've seen a drop in ad revenue, you've seen big interest payments, you've seen revenue overall decline dramatically. And Elon Musk himself has warned uh, this could be a, a, a business that's going toward bankruptcy. So this is the big news of the weekend, the little blue bird no more. Will we still call it a tweet or we call it an X? I'm not sure. I'm going to X something today. I'm going to send an X. I'm going to post an X. I'm, I'm not sure exactly how that's going <laughs> to well, work. Well, I mean, you could argue, I mean, an X could be a kiss. I don't know. I'm, I was also just thinking about what it could stand for, how they're going to be becoming uh, a lot more creative. And is this going to save the company? So many questions, Christine. There are. Good there to are. see you as always. It's nice to see you too, Lynn. <laughs> Thanks, Christine Romans, for us. Well, back to one of our top stories this hour, extreme heat bringing suffering across the globe. In the United States, millions of people are under either uh, heat warnings or heat advisory alerts as temperatures coast to coast remain sky high. The heat is forecast to spread to the majority of the country later this week with fears that extreme conditions could go on into August. Stephanie Elam has more for us. A heat wave bearing down across the globe with little relief in sight. Millions of Americans are under heat alerts. And now wildfires are ablaze, creating more challenges for some communities in the Pacific Northwest. Residents in parts of Maricopa County in Arizona were told by local authorities to evacuate as firefighters battled the Diamond Fire while facing scorching hot temperatures. The heat has been unrelenting in our community. In Phoenix, Sunday marked 24 consecutive days of at least 110 degree temperatures. And in Las Vegas, the city has seen 10 consecutive days of temperatures at or above 110 degrees, tying the longest streak of days with those high temperatures. In parts of Arizona, the heat is so brutal, emergency rooms are filling up with people being treated for heat-related illnesses. Dr. Frank Lovecchio shows us the ice bed used to treat some of the worst patients. 
we try to throw a little bit of ice you know, on here, on the bottom, get a little bit on the bottom. And then when they get their body on here, we like to throw it all above them. So what's going to happen then is the only thing showing is going to be their head. Okay, that in an ideal world. We also like to throw water on there. This has been shown to drop their temperature a degree almost every five minutes if done properly. It's not just heat stroke. The director of the Arizona Burn Center says people are getting burned on the pavement, accounting for half the patients in the Valley-wise ICU. The pavement is so hot that it only takes a fraction of a second to get a, a pretty deep burn. And to lay on uh, a hot um, pavement or a hot surface for 10 minutes, 20 minutes, a half an hour, an hour, uh, that's full thickness burn. The skin is completely destroyed. Phoenix's mayor explains how they are battling the heat. We have mobile cooling units that can go to an emergency site like a fire. We even have tactics where we can go out with IVs that have been cooled, and that can cool people from the inside, which can save lives. Mm. Another program we have that's very popular is our cool pavement program. So we are really just looking at how we design the city. All right, well, coming up, ticket triumph. Barbie wins the battle of the summer blockbusters, easily beating Oppenheimer at the U.S. box office. Theater owners around the globe couldn't be happier. We'll talk to the owner of The View's cinema chain after the break. The Assignment with me, Audie Cornish. Celebrities of all kinds are speaking publicly about their therapeutic trips, so to speak. It turns out there is a burgeoning industry ready to serve the new influx of people who find themselves turning away from traditional mental health therapy. The gap between what we know and what we don't about psychedelic therapy. Listen to The Assignment with me, Audie Cornish, on your favorite podcast app. Well, throw another box office record on the Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Ugh. Hi, Ken. Hi, Ken. <laughs> Hi, Barbie. Well, the Margot Robbie, Ryan Gosling, comedy sensation, crushing expectations this past weekend, taking in more than $150 million in U.S. ticket sales and easily beating out competitor Oppenheimer Barbie taking a well-deserved rollerblade victory lap as Barbie buzz hits pink peak. Peak pink. There we go. Vanessa Yurkevich reports for us. Barbie painted the world pink, and this weekend, fans came out in droves. Barbie in the real world. That's impossible. Not only is it possible, the film shattered expectations and is on track to make at least $155 million at the U.S. box office in its opening weekend. I'm coming with you. The new movie sends Barbie and Ken to the real world. Cold shower falling off my roof. And my heels are on the ground <gasps> to deal with an existential crisis. This is the real world. <laughs> What's going on? Why are these men looking at me? The movie is the biggest domestic start for a solo female director, Greta Gerwig, surpassing Wonder Woman. Mattel and Warner Brothers, they have to just be tickled pink. Barbie is made by Mattel, and the film is distributed by Warner Brothers Discovery, the same parent company as CNN. Everything about this movie and the toy is fun, right? And I think people are looking 
to escape. Barbie bested this weekend's other blockbuster, Oppenheimer, about the father of the atomic bomb. I don't know if we can be trusted with such a weapon. Which made at least $80 million over the weekend. The two blockbusters premiering at the same time spawned fan mashups dubbed Barbenheimer. World will remember this day. The two real films contributed to the fourth highest grossing movie weekend ever in North America. Something theater owners hope is a sign that the pandemic-fueled slowdown is finally over. It's being celebrated as some sort of novelty, but this is the way it was prior to the pandemic. Like, movies used to come out on the same weekend and compete with one another. But for Barbie fans, it's just fun. I've been waiting for two years. I'm Ivy League Barbie. Barbie has inspired you to be like anything you want. You can be an astronaut, a doctor, a chef. Or even a blockbuster movie star. Get that Barbie! We'll call it Barbie Bliss for theater owners. The Barbie Oppenheimer one-two punch was exactly what the industry needed after a year of mostly disappointing film openings. It was one of the biggest box office weekends of all time in the United States. Shares of U.S.-based AMC are soaring in early trading today on the news. Theater chains outside the U.S. are smiling as well. As you can see, AMC is up 17.27%. Timothy Richards joins us now. He is the founder and CEO of U International, a theater chain based in the U.K. Great to see you, uh, Timothy. Oh, wow. Nice Barbie billboard behind you. You're in Leicester Square at the moment. Um, How was the weekend for you? The collision, I guess, of two worlds, plastic and plutonium, they say. Yeah, well, welcome from the new cinema in in, uh, Leicester Square, London. Um, It's been an incredible weekend. Um, We knew it was going to be big based on the advanced bookings that we saw. Uh, the advanced bookings were the biggest advanced booking since Avengers Endgame in 2019, but not even that really captured it. From Rome to Copenhagen to Warsaw, we broke records everywhere. Um, we did over 2 million people over the weekend. So it was, uh, and this is the Barbenheimer, uh, not just Barbie, but Oppenheimer. And not just Oppenheimer, it had this knock-on effect to Mission Impossible, to Indiana Jones, to Elemental. People just came back to the cinemas in droves. Yeah. Firstly, pink really suits you. It's a good color on you. Um, I, I guess I should ask which uh, movie you watched first and where you pledge, uh, pledge your allegiance. Um, but here's the thing. I mean, here's, you know, they're talking about these two films having the ability to really change the fortunes uh, for the box office. Um, what does it mean for you going forward as well? Do you feel like we're in a, in a shift that we're seeing with people coming back to theatres after the big issue that we had with COVID-19? Yeah, I mean, I think that it's fair to say the recovery of the business took a lot longer than we expected. And we are now seeing those proverbial green shoots start of the recovery. But I think what this weekend has shown alongside of a lot of other movies in the last 12, 18 months that have broken records. Uh, Tom Cruise, you know, 60 years old in the biggest movie of his career, $1.5 billion for Top Gun. Avatar, biggest, third biggest movie of all time. And it goes on and on and on. And it just really enforces that our audiences never left us. It's been a supply issue and we just need movies. And this weekend is kind of another reminder of how desperate our audiences are worldwide to 
come back and be entertained in a huge screen with an amazing sound system and great seats. I mean, that's the thing. We were wondering if people wanted to get back into theater and watch and have that experience. I want to talk about the SAG-AFTRA strike, the risks of AI and the deadlock negotiations. How closely are you watching this? What does it mean for you and for theaters? Well, I think, I mean, it's, un it's unfortunate timing because that recovery has started now in earnest. And um, I mean, right now, fortunately, all the summer movies and Barbie and and, uh, and uh, Mission Impossible and Oppenheimer, they've all been marketed, distributed, and now released. Um, and the rest of the movies for this year are in the same position where they're all finished and ready to go. So we're not expecting it to have too much impact this year, if any at all. Um, if there was a long strike, which I don't think anyone believes will happen, then we might start to see something in a year's time when the films would be slowing down from production. But um, given the stakes are so high on all sides right now, um, we're hoping on, a, on an early resolution. Um, indeed. Um, I'm just watching the billboard change behind you, the two separate worlds, you know, Oppenheimer with flames in the background, Barbie in pink. And I just wonder, you know, what kind of experience you're envisaging for people who want to head to the theater, apart from a better array of options of food and so forth, the experience. I know that you've spoken before about VR headsets and changing the experience. Um, what is in the pipeline for you? Well, when, when we started the company 20 years ago, um, we, we wanted to try and change and be innovative, highly innovative. We've tried everything over the last 20 years. We've tried love seats. We've tried sofas, in-house, uh, in-screen dining. We've tried bean bags. We've tried, um, we've tried a lot of different things. And right now, our focus is on big screens, laser projectors, the incredible Dolby Atmos sound, and leather recliner seats. And they are a game changer. And that's really what our audiences want. And that's what they come out for and to enjoy a film. And so that's really been our, our emphasis right now. Um, Timothy, I've got to ask you, what of um, your bid for Cineworld? And is there still an op a possibility for you re-upping those negotiations? No, I mean, I think, I mean, we are right now, our focus right now is still on recovery. And we still have a little ways to go. Um, but um, we're not really looking at any M&A right now. Our, we want to regroup the company again um, and rebuild. And sometime in the next 12, 18 months, we'll get back to what we have done in building the company in the last 20 years. And is we've been really building through organic growth supplemented by a lot of M&A. Um, but right now, today, it's just re a rebuilding exercise. I think you are going to see a period of consolidation in the industry worldwide, which will most likely start in the next 12 months. Um, I'm really excited to see Sydney World get out of Chapter 11 shortly because it'll just take that narrative out about cinemas again. And um, we want to really just focus on the great movies that are coming up and how to make sure that our customers have a great time yeah. at our cinemas. Timothy, great to have you with us. Thank you so much. Um, Barbie has not been released here in the UAE where I live. I cannot wait to watch it, but I do have the option of watching Oppenheimer, so I'll head there. Um, great to have you with us.
Take care. Well, that's it for the show. I'll be back uh, with One World in a couple of hours. First up, you've got Connect the World right after this. See you soon. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So, you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.